Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. Hey Amen. How many feel good in your soul? All right. Well, you, the rest of you join in with about the seven that feel good, and we're going to all be good. Amen. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 16. I want to read uh, a few verses of scripture out of here and uh, go to 2 Samuel chapter 5. I've been um, just in a, in a subject of, about uh, abiding fruit this morning. I just want to stay right where we've been at. And uh, I, I wanted to, I'm using the life of David, and there was, uh, I'm probably only going to be able to deal with one of the things that I want to deal with this morning. And then, uh, but it, I promise you there's some good stuff in this. So, Father, we just thank you again for the, for the word, the time of the word. I pray that you would supply that upon me, which makes preaching effective. That is the grace of God. In Jesus' name, amen. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. Now the, now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected, uh, I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go, and I am sending you uh, to Jesse, the Bethlehem the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Man, there's so much in there, and I want to get sidetracked. Uh, but I'm telling you, I believe uh, that God is looking for the Davids to anoint. Amen? Uh, Davidic ministries uh, to anoint in this season. And Samuel said, how can I go if Saul hears it? He will kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse uh, to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I named to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town uh, trembled at, the, at his coming and said, do you come peaceably? What you got to understand, this situation is not like, not like the local pastor showing up at your house. It's not like me coming by to share something with you. I mean, this is the big ordeal. This would be like the president Billy Graham, every great man you know of, all wrapped up in one, rolling into town. The scripture says that the town elders trembled at his presence. This was a big ordeal. Um, and, 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 and so they trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he looked at uh, Eliab and he said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesse called Abinadab and, and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen him. Then Jesse made, Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all of the young men here? And he and 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 he said, there remains yet the youngest. And there he is, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send in, bring him down, and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him. Now he was, he was ruddy with bright eyes, good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Now, let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 5. I want to read a few verses of Scripture here in 2 Samuel chapter 5. Now, can you imagine the prophet pulling up to your house your brothers is already in line. You wasn't even a candidate to receive it. Come on, somebody. If, if, if Jesse thought that David was good enough or he was a candidate, he would have been at the house. But even his own father did not think that he was a candidate. Most theologians believe that he was an illegitimate child. Psalms 51 says, I was shapen in iniquity uh, uh, where he was conceived. So he didn't even think that he was a candidate. 
So he comes up and God anoints him right in front of his brothers. How many knows that God always blesses us openly is a reward of what's going on in the secret place? Y'all with me? So he, he, he anoints him in front of all of his brothers. Now David is somewhere 10 to 13 years of age and he is having the ram's horn poured out over his life, and he is declared by the prophet Samuel that he is going to be the next king of Israel. How many knows that, that David in that moment was not ready to be king, but yet God saw in him a kingship anointing? So there was some development that was going to have to take place in his life. It is the same way with you and I. I'm still in the same thing I've been preaching. That, that you and I have a process to walk out to get to the things that God is saying in our lives. Terry and I were having a conversation the other night. And he said he was talking about everything we get, we inherit. Galatians 4 talks about the process of a son maturing up into sonship. The more maturity we walk in, the more level that God can leave an inheritance into our lives. Now, 2 Samuel chapter 5, you there? Let's look at this. Uh, let's read this out of second, verse 1. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron, and he spoke, saying, Indeed, we are your bone and your flesh. Also in times past, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led us, led Israel out and brought them in. And the Lord said to you, you shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel. Therefore, all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord and they anointed David king over Israel. Look at verse 4. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. Now, God speaks over his life when he's a young man that he's going to be king. It takes the process of somewhere 17 to 20 years to develop in this young kid, David, the king that God wanted. We talked about this uh, 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 over the last couple of weeks, that God has destined every one of us. He chose every one of us that we would bear fruit and not only that we would bear fruit but we would bear fruit that remained and we talked about the life cycle of a seed and that the fruit is in the is the last stages of that it takes it takes the plant maturing with strong roots underneath the ground that you cannot see producing the shoot which takes time to mature but if the shoot matures and, and the branches matures that fruit is the last thing that comes on the vine so how many knows that if God has got all these great things set over our lives and I'm I'm not the only one in this room. Come on. Everybody's got a promise over your life in this room. It doesn't matter if you've been called out by a prophet. You have 66 books in front of you called the Bible. Come on, somebody. That is full of promises over your life. God has nothing but good things for us, but he needs us to develop into a place in him where we can be entrusted to hold the things he's saying. Are you with me? So God wants to develop us. Now, how many knows that there was different tests in David's life? I'm just going off of this, and then I'll get to the one I want to show you. There was different tests in David's life. David had to learn how to, to, to... Now, let me just say this. When David was anointed king, all of his brothers heard it. His father heard it. All the people in the town heard it that he was going to be king. You would think that God would allow them to open the door for him to go up to the palace where he would be trained. But that is not where God trained David to be the king. He did not train him inside the palace at first. The scripture says that David left there and went back to the field and started tending the sheep. He started doing the same thing he was doing before the ram's home was poured out. What I want to tell you this morning that I believe that that field that David was in was his secret place. Every person in this room must develop a secret place with God. If you don't have the secret place with God, you will never be that deep in your own life. Come on. Y'all going to help me this morning. You cannot live off of Sunday and Wednesday. It is a great experience, and we all get fed in this room, and we all get energized in this room, but I'm telling you this morning, there's things that can happen on Monday morning on the job that will totally wipe every bit of the excitement out of Sunday morning service. So you have to have something deeper than that. We have to have roots that are deep in the secret place with God that just as Matt was quoting Psalms 46, that no matter what all is happening, 
everything around us. The Bible says there is a river. There is a river in every confusion. Come on, somebody. There is a river in every bad doctor's report. There is a river when the kids don't act right. There is always a river flowing in the throne of God, and we must learn how to develop a life outside of corporate Worship in the secret place with God. This is where David was developed on the backside of the field. We know that David had a history with God because when he shows up in the valley of Elor, that when he goes to face Goliath, when Saul tries to place his armor on him, he rejects that armor. Come on, somebody. And he flows in what he, he flowed in naturally. He had a slingshot. And the slingshot had worked with him because when the lion and the bear come in to steal one of the sheep, he seen God anoint the slingshot on his side. Sometimes you and I think that, well, one day we're going to have this, we're going to have so just on certain days, the clock that God's going to give us something that's going to make us get into our destiny. How many knows it's the mundane things of life every day, the continual application. I'll never forget Damon Thompson teaching this. It's not the one big thing that changes your life. And I'm all for encounters, but it is the continual application of the elementary things that change your life. We build our lives line upon line and precept upon precept. So David develops his secret place. I, I want to I talk about the secret place just, just for a little while this morning. Every person in this room has got to have a secret place where God can develop you. Trust me, it is a must-have. You are never going to grow very deep in God if we neglect the secret place with God. I will say this, that the secret place is the greatest place any believer could ever stand. The secret place is greater than any stage we could stand on to preach. The secret place is greater than any worship gathering we could get in. And there is only certain things God will talk to you about is only found in the hidden place. Every person in this room needs a hidden place with God. Come on, my God. Lord, y'all help me out. I'm tired of preaching funerals. Been preaching them for the past five or six weeks. But we going on right here. Listen to this. Matthew 5, 6. Matthew 5, 6. Matthew 6, 5. I'm sorry. Look at Matthew chapter 6. All right, so David returns to the field and his sheep. The field was a secret place where God developed, where he developed intimacy with God. Now we know, listen, here's another thing. On his last test, the last test that would, would crush most people, probably crush me, David, how many knows that David is at Ziklag, the men that he trained in the cave of Adullam, now he's turned into mighty men, they are at Ziklag, and the enemy, the enemy comes in and he takes captive the women and the children and they set fire to Ziklag. Ziklag is a city of Judah. Listen here. Judah means praise. The enemy will always attack you first in your praise. Come on, somebody in this room. Help me right here. If the enemy can get us to stop worshiping and praising God, he's already got us defeated. Are you with me now? So the scripture says that the men that were surrounding David, David's inner circle, these men that he had entrusted his life to and these men had entrusted their lives to David. These men were, the, the Bible says that their soul was perplexed and the scripture says that they spake of stone in David. Come on. What I've learned as a, as a leader and a pastor, nobody can't Jesus, see Jesus, but they can't see you. Come on, somebody. They can't, they can't kill Jesus, but they can't kill you. This is where David was at. The men that loved him, the men that bought him dinner, now because the enemy and because of the pressure was great, they spake of stoning him. But the scripture says that he called for Abathar the priest and said, bring me the ephod. And the scripture says he inquired of the Lord and encouraged himself in God. Everybody in here can learn how to encourage yourself in God. It doesn't tell us how David did it, but we know from the fact that Hit, that was the first place he went to that he had a secret place with God. Come on, somebody. When everything was shaking around him, he went to the secret place back in the field when God was still God. Come on. One of the scriptures I was thinking about this morning was Psalms 29, verse 10. And it says, it says, Oh God, you were enthroned at the flood. How many knows that the flood ain't good? 
But God was still enthroned at the flood. You know what that means? Come on, somebody. That means whatever I'm facing, God is still enthroned. That's why he's worthy of my praise and worship. Regardless of what's shaking me, it's not shaking him. Come on, somebody. He's unshakable, unmovable, and God is enthroned at the flood. Regardless of what situation we find ourselves in church, he is still enthroned. He's still got everything under control. Now, let's go to Matthew chapter Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Lord, we're going to have to travel quick. i got a lot to cover. Matthew chapter 6. Look at this right here in verse 5. In verse 5, it says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the corner of streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Now, let me just say this. <laughs> if anybody's ever asked me to say the blessing, I get asked to say the blessing sometime in a public setting. I say, Father God, we thank you for this food. Let it be a nurse our body in Jesus' name. Amen. And I have people come and say, my gosh, I ain't never heard a preacher say, say, say such, such a short a prayer. You know, I said, do you preach that short? I said, yeah, I don't preach very long at all. Then it pull up, you know, and then you look at all you look at the podcast, one hour and 14 minutes, one hour and 22. Come on. Huh? But how many knows that praying powerfully in public is a result of a private life? Have you ever seen people that can stand up publicly to pray and instantly the power of God fall? I had a friend that his dad, I, every time we ever went to his house, the only, the only TV he watched was the Braves because they anointed by God, I'm telling you. So he would watch the Braves, but he was a holiness preacher, and he, he, had, he had a couple of wingback chairs throughout his house. He was, either, he was either in one of those wingback chairs reading the Bible, or he would be outside sitting in the swing reading the Bible if he wasn't watching the Braves in prayer. But what I watched him do is I remember that when we were going, this was in 2005, we were going to see Todd Bentley in Birmingham, Alabama. And his dad, we, we saw his dad ahead of us. And he, he's, and he called his dad's name and he said, look at that, he was headed to the hospital to pray for some people. And so he pulled over on the side of the road and he told us something, you know, to be careful or whatever. But he said, that ain't why I stopped you. He said, I wanted to have a word of prayer with y'all before we leave. This was on Highway 32 right there, almost by the Holiness Campground, if you know what I'm talking about, between Alma and Douglas. And so I remember sitting in the truck and, and he, he was going to pray for us. And he clapped his hands and said, Jesus, when he said Jesus, the power of God fell instantly. I'm, he was on the side of the road shaking. You know, probably people thought he was having a seizure. He was Shondai, oh, my knee hurts the whole nine yards. You know what I'm saying? And, um, but how many knows that that is the result? Jesus said the hypocrites love to be seen. They love for their spiritual lives to be out front so that everybody can see. But when he's training his disciples, he said, but when you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites. Don't want to be seen with your prayer life. But look what he says. Where did he say? He says, when you pray, where am I at? Matthew 6, verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, let's go right here to the book of Mark. Chapter 3, Mark chapter 3, verse 13. Mark chapter 3, verse 13. Look at this. And he went up to on the mountain and called to him those who himself wanted. And they came to him, and he appointed the twelve that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach. How many knows that God's concern is that we might be with him before we what we do? Come on, y'all help me out here. It, there can be no doing without a body because what we do flows from the place of hanging out with God. God didn't save us to become preachers, worship leaders, singers, church deacons, elders. He saved us that he might, we might be with him. And Jesus is training a bunch of unlearned, ignorant fishermen, tax collectors, lawyer, and a doctor. He's training all these different ones around him. And this is his model of training. I want you to be with me. 
God just wants us to hang out with him. The Christian life is not difficult. It is simply about abiding and receiving instead of doing and striving. The scripture says that he wanted them and he says he brought them unto himself that he might, and then he may send them out to preach. Before there was ever any ministry, there was abiding. What Jesus was saying, I want you to come learn, just learn, learn who I am and learn what I'm all about. Because you can't know who you are until you first know who he is. Because the Bible says, as he is, so are we. I learn who I am by peering into his face and seeing who he is. Because when I see who he is, he begins to peer back into me and tell me who I am. My God, that's good. All ministry and everything we do is birthed out of this place. Jesus' strategy for raising up those who would take the gospel into all the world was come be with me. That's all he wanted. Come be with me. Come be with me. Now, look at Psalm 63. Psalm 63. You okay? Psalm 63. Verse 1, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. That means you should be up no later than four. The only person, <laughs> if I'm up that early, I'm either deer hunting or something's bad wrong. <laughs> you know. But he said, early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you and my flesh longs for you. I love this verse. How many knows there is a place in God that you can get to that your flesh cries out for the Spirit of God? Come on, y'all. There is a place that we can get to where our flesh cries out for God. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Come on, let's go to verse 2. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your glory. Verse 3. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Listen, everything that we do, every thought, every action, everything that we do must be birthed out of this one place, God's love for me. That is the first love. When I was raised in the Pentecostal church and I was a little boy, we was told to return back to the first love. And we were told that a return to the first love is that we should love God with all our heart. That is not the first love. The, he, the Bible says we loved him because he first loved us. Everything we do is birthed out of the identity that God loves us. We don't have to perform. Come on, somebody. We don't have to do nothing. Listen, when Jesus hadn't defeated the devil, Jesus hadn't hung on the cross, when John baptizes him, God says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. God gave Jesus the identity as a son in him as the father before he ever performed anything. I feel the Holy Ghost because he did not want him as his identity believing he was received by the Father based on his performance. He was received by the Father because he was a son. Come on, y'all. That's good. So everything, my hunger for prayer, my hunger for the secret place, it's not out of some religious exercise that I got to go in there and close the door. I go in there and close the door because his love is better than life. I come to church not because I'm a preacher, because his love is better than life. Some would say this about going to church, Asher. I remember this was a few months ago. He said, do I have to go to church tomorrow? First of all, I mean, that's a crazy question. He said, do I got to go to church tomorrow? I said, yes, you got to go to church tomorrow. He said, can I just get one day off? He said, I've been going to church my whole life. <laughs> so I'm reading a book by Pastor Bill Johnson's son, and he said his dad said it like this. We don't have to go to church. We get to go to church. How many knows that it should be in our heart? David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Why? Because his love is better than life. We're not doing this out of religious exercise. Come on, somebody. We're doing this because we have experienced the one whom our soul's in love with. Everything flows from the place of love. That is the identity. 
If it doesn't flow from this place, that's when we get into working, trying to please God. Come on, somebody. And striving, trying to make ourselves like he said we already was. When the enemy came in to, to tempt Eve, he said, God knows if you eat the fruit, you will be like him. She was already like him. Every attack of the enemy is to attack who you are and what you are. Come on, somebody. But when you're secure in your identity, come on, you're not moved by that. You, I, I ain't got to move into that. He's already said. He's already son. That is my son in whom I'm well pleased. My God, that's good. Everything has to be birthed from this place in the secret, his love for me. Those who become famous in their secret place are the ones who get to make Jesus famous on earth. That's good, ain't it? Those who become famous in the secret place are those who get to make Jesus famous on earth. Look at your neighbor and say the most valuable place is the secret place. Not any ministry title. The greatest place you could ever stand is in communion with the creator of heaven and earth. It's a secret place. If you want to be unshakable, unmovable, you will develop the secret place. Larry will send out 10 texts a day saying, Holy Ghost. At first, I'm wondering, I don't even know how to respond to that. But now what I figured out is what he said, guys, you got your mind on the Holy Ghost. I'm in the secret place with the Holy Ghost. How many knows that the presence of God is all you need? That's why David writes, in thy presence there is fullness. There's nothing lacking in the presence. That's why his first reaction to men wanting to stone him and kill him, he said, bring me the ephod, leave me alone, let me get in the secret place to hear what God said. Come on, somebody. And he had to go look at the men in the face who wanted to stone him and say, listen here, I've done heard from God, and this is what God said. God said we're going to pursue them, and we're going to recover everything we have lost, and then some. Come on, somebody. This is the value of the secret place. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Now it happened as they, as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to get off her can and help me. I'm in the King James right there. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Look at this. But the one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which is not, which will not be taken away from her. My God, that's good right there. You know what that's saying? I mean, that's saying that every moment that I spend in the secret place with God will never be stolen from me. It can never be taken. I don't care what kind of hell comes my way. It can never be taken from me, those moments in the secret place. And, when they, and it also tells me that when I hear that voice saying, why ain't you doing more? Why ain't you doing this and this and this? And I've spent that time in the secret place. Jesus has highlighted that which is more valuable, my serving him or my spending time with him. Hello. And I've heard people say this, well, you know, it takes both people in the church. It takes lovers and doers. But I want to tell you this, after 20 years of doing this, I know this, that lovers will always outperform, outperform doers any day of the week because they do it from a different place. They don't do it from a place of legalism. They do it out of love. Come on, y'all. I heard a story one time of this woman that was married to this man that was uh, very difficult. He had all these tasks that he wanted her to do. And, 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 and throughout the marriage, anyhow, the, the man died. I don't know if God finally answered her prayer or what, but the man died. And so she gets remarried. And this guy loved her, cherished her, uh, uh, and, and, and didn't ask her to do anything. 
And after about six or seven years into the marriage with the with the new husband, she was cleaning up the attic and she found her hope chest and she was looking and every day the first husband would leave these chores and these lists that she was accomplished throughout the day. And she looked over that list and she found that the new husband had never asked her to do anything. But yet she found that every item on the list of the first husband she had done and done exceedingly above. Love will always cause you to do more than anything out of some servant heart. Come on, y'all. Mary said, Lord, Mary chose the good thing. The good thing was to sit at a place at his feet and worship and hear his voice. Heidi Baker I remember reading a story of her one time, and she was trying, they were expanding the ministry. There was this great amount of pressure and everything and, uh, to be done. And, and she said to the Lord, told her, said, for the next three weeks, I don't want you doing nothing. I want you to lay in my presence. And she said, God, she said, there's so much to be done. She said, how can you tell me that you just want me to lay down in your presence when everything that needs to be done? And she said, at the end of three weeks, she laid down in the presence of God and more got accomplished in that, in that period of time when she was laying down than they had previously the whole six months. God's main concern is that we spend time with him and hear, and hear his voice. Church, we don't live by bread alone, but we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Long time after the experience of the goosebumps is gone, you are going to have to have the word abiding in you. I'm telling you, church, we live by fix to fix. We have got to quit this. We can't live from encounter to encounter. We have got to live at a deeper place along with God. And regardless of where I feel him or not, I know he's in there communing with me. There's times I go along with God and I feel him instantly. There's times I've been in there now and a half, and I said, if you'd come for fellowship, I'd appreciate it. Come on. All right. Martha, tell Mary to get up. Jesus does not rebuke to her. He does not rebuke her. He says that Mary has chosen that that will not, that that will not never be taken from her. Let's go to 2 Kings 9. Second Kings 9. I, all right. And Elisha the prophet called one of the sons of the prophet and said to him, get yourself ready to take this flask of oil in your hand and go to Ramoth Gilead. And now when you arrive at the place, look there for Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nishmah, and go in and make him and rise up among his associates and take him to an inner room. Look at this. Then take the flask of oil and pour it on his head and say, thus says the Lord, I've anointed you king of Israel. Then open the door and flee and do not delay. So the young man, the servant of the prophet, went to Ramoth Gilead. And when he arrived... There were the captains of the army sitting, sitting, and he said, I have a message for you, commander. Jehu said, which one of us? And he said, for you, commander. Then he arose and went into the house, and he poured the oil on his head and said to him, thus says the Lord God of Israel, I've anointed you king over the people of the Lord of Israel, and you shall strike down the house of Ahab, your master that I may avenge the blood of my servants and the prophets and the blood of all the servants of the Lord at the hand of Jezebel. For the whole house of Ahab shall perish, and I will cut off from Ahab all the males in Israel, both bond and free. So I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Basad, the son of Ajai. The dog shall eat Jezebel on the plot of ground at Jezreel. And there shall be none to bury her. And he opened the door and fled. How many knows that Jehu had one perspective about his nation, his life, and what he was doing? But when he got in the inner room and heard the word of the Lord over his life, everything changed. There's, I'm just telling you, I know for me, and there's others in this room that God wants to change some perspectives, but it's not going to be changed till you get in the inner room. You, 
there's things, there's just some things that God's not going to give you in a conference, and there's some things that God's not going to give you in a corporate setting that He's only going to give you in the inner room. It is in the inner room that we find the strategy that God is building for our life. It is in the inner room that we find the strategy that God wants to do with us at our place in history, even in this city. It's found in the inner room. In the secret place, we see God on the throne and him carrying out his master plan. It is when I'm frustrated and when I feel like all of hell is shaking. How many knows that sometimes, sometimes we need a shaking? God said in his word, I'll shake everything that can be shaken, only that which remains. You with me? And I remember in January, or December, when Fiaz left, he called me. He said as he got in the air leaving Valdosta, as his plane got in the air, he said he felt like he heard this word. Things are not falling apart, but things are falling into place. There can be, there can be no next level without change, and nobody likes change. When God starts bringing change, we start crying. Come on, y'all. Am I the only one? We start crying. But it is in the inner place that God brings us. Why didn't God tell Jehu out in front of everybody like he did David? He brought him in the inner room. Because when he brought him in the inner room, he began to tell him the destiny that was upon his life. He began to speak things that were unbelievable to him because Ahab and Jezebel had crushed the nation and set it back. Come on, somebody. The whole nation was, was jacked up because of Jezebel's influence. And God calls him in the inner room and says, You, Jehu, I'm about to put an anointing on your life that what has held this whole nation up, you're going to see it come down. You're going to see Jezebel come down and there ain't nobody going to be able to bury her. And Jehu did exactly what that word said. Come on, somebody. He went back into the city of Jezreel and he told the two eunuchs throw her behind down and they threw her down and the horses trampled her underneath their feet. Come on y'all. How many knows that everything can shift in one moment in the inner place? All right, let's stay with me right here. <clears throat> I'm going to preach here in a minute right here. Just listen to this. Go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. I'm trying to preach this in a hurry and we won't get, we won't get out of here. There's a massive flood fitting to come. The one that got on Noah is headed here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But it ain't upon us yet, okay? This is according to my radar. I got an hour and 42 minutes to finish this message. Okay? So take heart. Everybody take heart. <laughs> You all right? You going to John chapter 15? That's where I'm at. Let's look right here. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. My words, the, word, the Greek word used for words is rhema, which means that which... That which has that which has been uttered by the living voice or which is being uttered by the living voice. Rhema. If my words, not logos, logos is just the Bible, okay? Logos is written word. Rhema word is the right now hotly spoken. Are you with me? But I've said this, you've got to be faithful with logos written before you can develop into a lifestyle of rhema. Come on now. So, so if my words, if my words abide, if, if, if my words, rhema, that which has been uttered by the living voice or shall be uttered, get, or shall, or, or is, it has been uttered or is being uttered by the living voice, my words, my rhema. Now, if you abide, this word abide means to be, uh, it is a Greek word which means to be held, kept continually. It is, it is saying, this is what those who are found, those who are found in the secret place, held continually, positioned, leaning in. I'm just trying to tell you, you ain't going to hear God a lot of times unless you leaned in. 
I, I mean, very. Now, God has hit me on the head a couple times. That's because he couldn't get it no other way. You know what I'm saying? Huh? What this, what this is Jesus saying? Those who are held, leaned in, captivated by me, my rhema will start dwelling in them. Now here's, why, why, well, what are you saying, preacher? Because I'm telling you, have you ever been so discouraged you was about to give up? You say, yes, I have. I've been there. I'm there this morning. Well, good. You had a good place. Have you ever been, and then somebody came up to you and gave you a word and instantly changed where you were at? What happened? Your circumstance didn't change, but Rhema just entered into your life. Nothing changed. Nothing was instantly changed. But what happened is... Your perspective just changed because God just spoke. This is what the secret place is all about. It's about hearing his voice because the more I hear his voice, faith increases in my life. Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith does not come by putting the word of God in the tape player and listening to the word. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by what? The spoken word of God. When God speaks, faith enters into you. Now, how many knows this? Let me just go on right here. We've got to learn how not to get excited about a word, but learn how to carry a word. It's one thing to get excited over a word and have your perspective changed, have our perspective changed, but we've got to learn how to carry a word. Because I come to tell you, some words happen quick and some words take a while. Some words are going to take a while. Because we ain't ready for the place that the word was talking about. David was 10 to 13 years of age. The prophet pulls up and you're going to be king. But there was a whole lot of training got to happen. You got to face a lion and a bear. You're going to have to live in a cave with a bunch of broke, disgusted men. You're going to go into the house and think you already arrived early at the palace, but you're just going to get to play the harp. And when you quit playing the harp, the man you're playing the harp for is going to try to kill you. You're going to have to develop a relationship with his son. Come on. All of this is in the journey of God developing him, but here's what he's saying. Why did God put him in a cave with men and when and and and, and why did God allow the uh, why did God the enemy come in and get Ziklag and the people spake of stone to him? Why did God allow that to happen in David? Because what he was gonna see is David as a king, come on somebody, he's gonna get into some high pressure situations. And what I want to know, if you are, when you king, how will you respond to me? Will you go get the ephod or will you flesh out and try to take care of yourself? Because the same God that delivered you from the line of the, of the paw of the, of the bear and the hand of the lion is the same God that's going to take care of you when the enemy comes in and burns Ziglag. Now Jesus said, guys, what I want you to do is abide, be held captive by me in the secret place. Get, get locked away in the secret place. Lean in, hear my voice, and my words are, become, are going to be rhema. And I want you to learn how to carry them. Now let's go right here to 1 Samuel chapter 1. Somebody says, my gosh, we read a lot of Bible. We ain't read much all week. Come on, somebody. I went and heard a guy preach a, a few weeks ago, preach for an hour and a half. Use about eight scriptures. The rest of it was just filler. Come on. You ever get a hamburger at the, at the ball field? About 10% beef, 95% soybeans. Instead of putting ketchup, you put syrup on it, you know what I'm saying, trying to help it out. Come on. <laughs> How many's all right here? We got about 10 minutes. Y'all gonna hang on? Y'all be out with no peanuts or nothing like that. Water, you good? All right, listen to this. 
Listen, we've got to learn how to not just get excited about a word, but carry a word. Carrying the word is difficult. See, we pray for the favor of God, but let me show you what favor looks like to God. Favor looks like to God impregnating a young teenage girl. Had not known a man. Caused the whole society to, to outcast her and look at her as a harlot. She caused, caused the one that betrothed to her named Joseph about ready to leave her until he has a dream from God. Come on, that's favor. Hello. See, we pray God make us successful, but the Bible says Joseph was naked being sold as a slave on the block, but he was a successful man because God was with him. Boy, don't we need to re re redefine some things in the church. Hello. Now, Mary, now Mary, here's what she said when she heard God say what the, uh, the angel say, Gabriel say what she said. The scripture says she pondered them in her heart. She kept them. She carried the word. See, what you got to understand, the word of God is the seed. And it's looking for the soul. It's looking for the soul. The same way as I got I to gotta keep my heart, the soul of my heart, pliable so that the word can take ground and produce fruit in my life. Now, what I'm talking about here is literally is a, is a type of soil that God uses to develop that seed in you to grow that he uses on his end. And his, one of the grounds that he uses is a secret place. What we're talking about. All right, so let's go right here and let's look at this. Instead of reading these 18 verses, let's just, you just get there and you read it for homework. Let me paraphrase this. There's a man named Elkanah who has two wives, Penina and Hannah. Penina's given, I mean, she's having babies left and right. I mean, she's fertile myrtle. But Hannah don't have no children. And every year they go to worship God. And the scripture says that Penina is aggravating her, poking fun at her. She doesn't have any children. And so her adversary provokes her that she, she's, she's barren. Her, her womb's closed. She, she, doesn't, she can't produce a child. But I love this. It, I heard this last week that how many knows, how many knows who that, that Hannah did have a child? How many knows who the name of that child was? Come on, raise your hand. Be, name of that child, Samuel. How many knows who, how many knows, now Penina had several children. She had a pile of children. How many knows who one of her children were? Not a hand raised in this building. Because see, what comes easy, you will never remember. What takes time to build, we'll never forget. That's good. Terry come up with that on his own in the secret place. Y'all hand it to him. All right, listen to this. What, 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 what comes easy is easy to forget. What is difficult, what is difficult, we never forget. Let me tell you this. The easy road, all everyone is on. I, 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 remember, I remember driving one night to Alma when Rick Pino first come out with that song, Pioneer. Boy, I was crying. I mean, I was tore up. I mean, the reels tore up. Booger, snot, the whole nine yards. So I was like, man, I can't believe he's saying all this. I was really tore up. Because I was like, God, ever since I've been called, it seems like we've been rebuilding something. I always had to get something to rebuild. Every building we've been in work on it. Every house we're building on it. So that's probably what God has called me. That's probably what my anointing is. Rebuilder. <laughs> Are you with me? Restoration. But Repino talks about the pioneer. The hard thing about the pioneer is he doesn't have a manual that comes with the job. Have, have, has Santa Claus, let me just, where I don't get no self in no trouble, ever dropped nothing off at your house that had to be assembled? Why didn't he get Bernard and the elves to do it? I don't know, but has he ever dropped the swing set off? And the swing set says easy assembled. That if, if, you, if you got any sense of putting stuff together one to two hours, and 12 hours, you down there at the trade come to get in a box of screws just trying to get it together. Pioneers have no manual. The only manual they got is a secret place. 
I'm a pioneer. I have always been. So sometimes those that are in my inner circle, I can seem a little bit herky-jerky sometimes. That's just because I ain't got a manual. But the only thing I know is when I say turn left, you better turn left because the cloud just went left. But I would rather follow the cloud. Come on, somebody. But here's what the pioneer does. The pioneer paves a way so that others can follow. Now, why, what, now let's go back to the original verse. David, Samuel was weeping that he had to leave Saul and go anoint David. Let me translate this. There are a whole lot more Saul ministries out there than there are David ministries. And it's going to take some weeping to get off the road to go find David because what you have to anoint is a little kid. There's more established. My God, help me right here. Y'all flow just for a little bit. There, anytime in an epic season shift, there will, be all, there will be more structure to support the previous system than the one that is being established. But the one that is being established is the one that God is always on. When we shifted from the agricultural age to the industrial revolution, you could go get you a model, a model T Ford, but there wasn't no gas station and tire shops at every place. Come on. There was more structure to support the horse but God was moving from the horse to the model T are you with me this is where we're at right now in the church in America we are shifting from the house of Saul which is a religious system come on that only wants to look good in front of the people and we're going to the house of David and the house of David don't care what the building looks like or the tent looks like as long as the kebab the weighted glory of God is there I feel the anointing of God in my beard. And here's the problem with that. David is still a little kid. And he's got a lot of issues. But it doesn't mean that God's not with him. All right. So Hannah, the Bible says she won't eat. You're at a bad place when you won't eat. That's when Catherine really knows it's really bad at our house. I ain't eating. Now, that's when you call in the, I mean, everything. Really, serious. <laughs> Are you with me? I'm trying to help y'all out because, I mean, so, you know, we've got four sleeping here. I'm just trying to help us out. Come on. All right. <laughs> Bible says she won't eat. Elkanah looks at her. Says, Hannah, I'm so good to you. Even when I gave Panana her offering, I always give you a double portion. I'm madly in love with, am not I better than 10 sons? No. Bible says now she, she's at a place of prayer. So much she's praying that her mouth is moving, but nothing's coming out. Here's Eli, the preacher. It's like he's drunk. Come on, y'all with me? I'm just quoting these 18 scriptures right here. Eli says, this lady's crazy. She's drunk. She looks back at Eli and she said, no, my Lord, but my soul is vexed. Eli then perceives that this woman's at a deep place of prayer. She's gleaned in. I mean, she ain't letting go till God does something. And he looks at her and he said, may God grant you that at which you ask. Read it. Read it. When he says, may God grant to you that to which you ask, the scripture says the countenance on her face changed. She got up and ate. She didn't have no baby. They didn't nothing kick in her belly. Come on. What happened was the word of God went into her. And when Ramah spoke, everything changed. Let me tell you what she said. By gosh, it may not, I may not have felt nothing, but God just said something. And if God said it, I'll have it just like he said it. <laughs> See, when we are 
when we're coming loose on the inside, the secret place is to get you in there, get in the secret place, hear God's voice again, and when Rhema speaks, it settles everything in that moment. Come on, somebody. That's why you can walk outside and grenades and everything else is still going on, but you got a whole lot of different attitude, and you see it a whole lot different in this moment. Come on, somebody. You see it a whole lot different. Why? Because Rhema just entered in. God spoke, and everything changed. Now, I gotta preach this in a hurry right here. I got I'm, that's my first point. I got four to make. Be done right here. I'm done. Listen to this. How to carry a word. Listen right here. I'm saying this real quick. Number one, you got to pray over it. But you would be surprised how many people to get the word of God released to them and then not know to pray over it. You got to pray over it. You can't just pray over it one time. You got to pray over it. Number two, you got to change the way you talk. Listen to this. Our language needs to line up with what God is saying. How many times do we kill what God is saying with our own mouth? How many times do we make 50 trips around the mountain and God never ordained but five of them, but we got the other 45 because we can't talk right? Hello? If, if you broke in this room and God said you financially blessed, you don't have the right to say you broke anymore. And the things ain't going to change till your lineup, until your communication lines up with what God's saying about your life. It don't matter if next week the check still looks the same. If they cut the lights off next month, you look in the mirror and say, I thank you that I'm highly blessed. God's coming through. God said I'm the head and not the tail. He blessed me in the city and not the field. The talk has got to line up with what God is saying. Don't pray for healing and then wake up. Oh, every day I feel like I'm just We barely making it. I'm not talking about faith in it till you make it or fake it till you make it. I'm not talking about not saying reality. But there is a truth that is greater than some truths. The truth was the lady was sick with the issue of blood. That was the truth. It couldn't be denied. Scripture says she spent all of her money on doctors and they couldn't do no. But the greater truth was in the hem of his garment. And you had to make a decision in your own heart. Are you going to believe reality? Are you going to believe the truth that you got or the greater truth, which is, come on, somebody, that the Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but not one jot nor tittle of that truth will ever pass away. Our talk has to line up with what he's saying. It's difficult. This is not easy. It's easy for us to get in here with, the, you know, the big man up there screaming at us, and we all say like this. But when times of pressure comes, am I the only one in this room? Times of pressure come, I mean, we sling it down. I mean, i tell you right, y'all want me to get real. Captain, that ain't going to happen. And then, but here's the deal. Thank God that both of us ain't never been in the ditch at the same time. How many of those are both of you getting in the ditch you in a hurry? You're in, I mean, you're in bad shape. But if I'm ever in the ditch, she's usually, you know, she's usually speaking in tones coming down from the high place. Call me back up. Same the other side. But what I'm just trying to say is every day's not going to be no great feeling. You're going to face things that you're going to have to learn how to bridle your mouth to say what God is saying. Because everything in your flesh is going to be screaming out to say otherwise. But you never going to see it until you learn how to talk it. How many knows Mary believed what Gabriel said because she went straight to Elizabeth and told her? You got to ponder. You got to pray over it. Make sure your mouth lines up with what God is saying. Make it, make it the main thing. Make it your central, your, 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 your central focus. What are you talking about making my central focus? What I heard in the secret place. Don't doubt in the night what I heard in the light. Come on. What I heard in the secret place, I'm going to pray over it. I'm going to make my language line up with it. And number three, I'm going to make it my main focus. Let me tell you this. All right. If God spoke, if God spoke, I just become impregnated with his vision and what he said about my life, Right? Now, how many's ever seen this? Couple take a pregnancy test. Says they're pregnant. They throw the, they throw it in the trash, and about four months later, they will look. I forgot we're pregnant. How many's ever seen that? Did that happen? Here's the thing. 
When we got, you know, how many knows your first child is always different than the last one? First child slips and falls down, you go in the emergency room. Third child fall from 10 feet, we'll pray him through. Huh? <laughs> but y'all it was little. Some kind of way he stood up to remember this happening, map. Walmart buggy. No out like he's in swimming pool, head first. Sounds a horrible sound I ever heard. I picked him up. I was in full-blown tongues immediately when I got him up. People was backing out left and right. I mean, this big man's talking in all kind of crazy stuff. Go to the doctor. He explained, you know a little baby, the head. I said, sir, if you don't give him no scans, your head's going to be like. Third child, Asher, you know, he's <laughs> was at a baseball tournament. I remember this happened. This happened several years ago. I think Grant was 12 years old when this happened. Home run ball hit about 230-something feet. Hits Asher right in the top of the head. The baseball bounced like 40-something feet in the air off his head. He had a Cook County Hornet hat on. Cleve gave him. Remember that hat? Cook County Hornet hat on. He turned around and said, I'm all right. Listen, when the pregnancy happens, all the focus goes in at that point. You with me? Even though, even though mama's not showing, what happens is every time you're together, that's all you're talking about. What color's the nursery going to be? If it's a boy, what's his name going to be? If it's a girl, what's his name going to be? We're looking at maternity clothes. Ain't nothing's happening. I've been buying maternity clothes my whole life. You with me? But here's the thing. Listen. Look at that. I mean, we, we, I mean, love, you've been pregnant for three weeks. We don't need to get on. The, I mean, we don't need to order no maternity clothes. But it's the main focus. What I'm trying to tell you, when you hear God speak, it's got to be the main focus. It ain't, it ain't that Matt said something or Steve said something. God just said it. God that said, let there be light. He's the one said it. Make it the main focus. God cannot lie. If he said it, it's got to be the main focus. You got to, you got to, it's got to be the main focus. All right, listen to this. I ain't got time to read all this, but I'm done. You got to prepare for it. I believe sometimes God honored us to the level that we prepare for it. You will, never get the, you will never get the rain unless you can run when it's only the size of a cloud, the size of a man's hand. Nobody would believe there was no rain that was going to cancel a three and a half years of drought with the size of a man's hand. But he said, gird up your stuff. The flood's coming. But all he saw was a cloud the size of a man's hand. You prepare for it. The greatest story that's found in, 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 in the book of Kings, the fourth chapter, I think it's, is it 2 Kings or 1 Kings? 2 Kings. 2 Kings where they go up to the, to the house and, and he says, go bar the vessels. When she went and barred the vessels, the oil began to flow and it filled up every vessels. Sometimes God comes to the level that you prepare for. Come on, church. Sometimes God shows up to the level that you prepare for. You got to pray over what you hear in the secret place. You got to make your talk line up to what you hear in the secret place. I can tell you this this morning, I could give an altar call, and everybody ought to be on that altar that we repent for what the world we said over our own lives. Come on. We got to stop the negative talk. If faith draws God, your negativity draws the devil. Your negative speaking is like buzzers hovering over a carcass. Faith draws the eagles. Take a moment. God forgive us. You got to let your talk line up with what God's saying. You with me? You got to prepare for it. And you got to make it the main thing. No, part, no lady in here would take a pregnancy test and five months later be like, I forgot that we pregnant. No, you talking about it every day. You're watching TLC, a baby story. 
Y'all remember when that was on? Grant was born, but we watched it every night. Look at this, look at this. <laughs> it was the main thing. How can we hear God and then by Tuesday we done forgot what he even said? We didn't even write it down. I have to remind myself all the time of what God said. I have to remind myself in moments. I have to remind myself that I boarded a plane in January of 2018. I flew to Columbus, Ohio, and a man that never seen me said, yes, pastor, yes, pastor. This is the year. I have to remind myself that because it's easy to forget when you get in a pressure cooker. When things look like it's going the opposite way, you have to remind yourself what God said. But I thought God said it to me, and then I go to Columbus, and a man that's from Pakistan looks at me, and he quotes the word that I believe I heard God tell back to me. What you think God was screaming it? Now, let me tell you this. The clearer you get the word is that's how clear it's going to have to be in the storm. Now, if God makes a dramatic, and that's how clear you hear it, that's how clear you're going to need it to be. Lord, we better quit. Y'all, y'all done collapsed right now. I don't even know if Boone can help us out anymore. Let's, we better close it right there on that. Listen, you got to prepare for it. You got to prepare for what God is saying. You never going, you, you never going, you never, God is never going to do it. And then you get to, you always going to have to step out on by faith. You always going to have to move by faith before you ever see it. You with me? Stand up with us right here and let's pray. All right, let's do this prayer first. Let's ask God to help us with our talk. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us guard our mouth. Some of us maybe need to be like Zacharias, not even be able to talk till we see it come out. So God, help us to guard the way we talk. Father, forgive us. <clears throat> of speaking negative over the things which you said about our lives that you were going to do. And I pray this morning that you would help me as a leader and all of us in this room that our talk would line up with what we know that you have told us. Father, we, we give you praise, honor, and glory for the secret place that you have allowed us to enter in. I thank you that when Jesus came that the veil was ripped torn and now we have access to come boldly before the throne of God. Every one of us in this room has access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let us value the secret place. And Father, I thank you that you're developing great things in our lives. I thank you that the best has not even been told. I thank you that I have not seen nor ear has heard nor entered in the heart of man what you desire for this group of people in this room. I thank you that you have abundantly above all that we could ask, ever think, or imagine in line for us. I thank you, Lord God, that the crushing in this time of just hardness, Lord, we can never never get any wine without first first crushing some grapes. We can never get any anointing without the crushing of the olives. And I thank you, Lord, that the storms will not crush us, but produce a new wine that's coming from this congregation. Father, we long to drink the new wine of your presence, God. We don't want to drink old wine. We want to drink the new wine. And so, Lord, we thank you that you're anointing Davids all across this nation. We will not mourn for the house of Saul, but we will rise up and go anoint the young lads all over the nation and allow them to become the Davidic houses of worship, God. Because that is what you want to restore. The tabernacle of David. You're not building Solomon's tabernacle of grandeur and splendor. You're, you're building something that was just on Mount Zion. Some old tent stretched out. But it was heart worship that you longed for the whole time. You didn't desire the sacrifices of animals. You desired the sacrifice of our hearts. And so, Lord, I bless this people this morning. I pray they have a great week. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you all. We'll see you here Wednesday. Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media.